podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all. And therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Hey, listener. Do you have a story to tell? Just like the podcast you're listening to now? With Acast, it couldn't be easier to start a podcast. We have all the essential tools you need. From recording and editing audio to sharing and promoting your show... You can even make money from your podcast, all in one place. Basically, we handle all the boring stuff, so you can focus on having fun and creating exactly what you want to share with the world. Get started with a three-month trial of our paid plan using the promo START. Just visit go.acast.com slash start. Jonathan Pierce. Terry Alderton. Do you like shoes, madam? And friends. <laughs> JP. The mad side of genius. And T. Good to meet you, love. The football friendly. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is uh, JP and T, the football friendly. Yeah. And with me is my great friend, Mr. Terence Alderton. Oh, great friend. I like great friend. That's good, because you could have gone and is a bloke I don't even like. Who I'm doing it with because it's like an alternative podcast where you actually get someone you hate. Well, this is very true. Anyway, let's move on from that to that premise. And uh... <laughs> what an opening! Oh, by the way, by the way, um, I've got my uh, I've got my bag of salter gun here just because I've got a few flies. So if you hear the odd, um, if you hear the odd, uh, uh, that oh, that's me shooting flies. It's it's just only salt, so don't panic. But they're they're everywhere. They're doing my head in. That goes along with your broadsword, though. You do have a broadsword. Uh, well, the broadsword's a madry, but that's real. Look, I mean, this is... The, this is. I mean, honestly, just shoot... When people say, you know, he wouldn't hurt a fly, I'm honestly I'm blown at the pieces. It's fantastic. But... <laughs> just thought, I, I, I'm only letting you know that because, because there are flies in here and I ate them, right? It's not like I live in, a, in an absolute shithole, but... But you know when you do your act? You know when you do your act and you, yeah. pull, you, pull, you pull your broadsword out from the back? Yeah. And don't get them mixed up. No, don't get don't, them mixed don't up. Don't take no. the bug fly with the no, bug No, because, well, you know, if I'm cocking the, I'm cocking the, cocking the blade, I might lose a load of imaginary fingers. By the way, by the way, folks, it's only an imaginary sword. This is a real gun, though. It's not a real gun, so don't send the police round. <laughs> or that would be too late, because it was two weeks ago. You have to go and see Terry, everybody. He's a comic genius. I'm not oh, saying well, that because he's my mate, but he's a comic genius. And, um, well, they're, they're going to they're gonna work out over, over time. Over time with this podcast, they're going to be working out that that's an absolute load of bullshit. Well, when I first saw him, I hated him. <laughs> I hated him. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a reason for me, but wasn't there? I was doing a commentary at Roots Hall, Crystal Palace against Southend United, and I was in mid-flow, quite calm, uh, going, you know, doing my nut because someone had got a throw in on the halfway line. And um, all of a sudden, this bald-headed lunatic jumped up in front of me on the other side of the glass. Go on, you take up the story. Well, I had a bit a bit of hair at that point because it was quite a while ago, but what happened, What it was? we played Palace in a game, and also, it was funny because someone's, my mate James, he said to me, look, look, who's because there's a little glass box at Southend where we were right, right near where the commentators are. So you, there's a glass, if you can imagine that, that you guys are looking out at the pitch, but also there's a glass wall next to you so we can see the commentators. 
And my mate went, look, that's Jonathan Pierce. And I went, just shut up. And he went, no, look, it's Jonathan Pierce. And I was like, that's Jonathan Pierce. And um, I had a little bit of hair there. And we were playing Palace. And funny enough, at the time, it had been rumoured that you were a Palace fan. Now I know the story why. That's, I know why all that is now, obviously, with the boys and whatever, and living there and everything. But anyway, I digress, which I'll do a lot. <laughs> anyway... Um, Palace, who are looking to get promotion, South End are definitely going down, and somehow we score in the deaths of a game the winner, right? It, we should not have. It was all against the run of play. So you can imagine, you can't hear Jonathan. You can just see him in his brilliant Capital Radio days of being like animated and going for it, you know? Oh my God! You know? And uh, we're all jumping around. I thought it'd be funny, of course I did, to, to smash on that glass glass window next to him. And go, yeah, like that, thinking he was a Palace fan. And then Jonathan's continuously carrying on his commentary and then in, in a way of looking at me as if to go, what the fuck are you doing, you idiot? But he's commentating still and being brilliantly professional, but looking at me and going, fucking lunatic. And then I looked at him and went, oh, yeah, what an idiot. And then I sat down while everyone was still jumping around going, oh, what have I done? And then years later, you again. Well, what? yeah, because about... I think six months after that, I was in a. I was went to a comedy club in Ballam, the Banana. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I was with my wife, and we looked down, and this fantastic comedian was doing all his weird and wonderful stuff that Terry does, and um, and it, it, honestly, it's he's it, unique. Terry is unique. It, it's it, it's not like gag after gag. It's just fantastic. It's unbelievable, Cooper esque, Monty Python esque. Um, I don't know all these different influences. It's unique, and we, I'm watching them, and I'm thinking, oh, God, where have I seen this lunatic before? <laughs> and then it suddenly came back, and they, and there you are. And I went down to meet you afterwards, and the rest is history. So I've become a bit of a groupie, oh, and here we are because I love you because you're a football fan as well, yeah, genuine football fan, of, and, and you played. I do. Tell I do. Us hold, about on, that. hold on. Got it. Um. <laughs> Hang on. I've got, I've got, my, I've got my gin. I'm not being funny, right? It is brilliant, that, that assault rifle thing. Uh, assault yeah. rifle. I, that's not my joke. That's what it is, a bug assault rifle. But the only problem is, of course, you, not only are you picking up their flies, the house is full of salt. But I tell you what, I, and before you think about it, yes, I have put salt on my tomatoes as well as my chips with it. Because um, <laughs> there's nothing better than someone going, you got any salt? And you go, yeah, hold on. <laughs> And they go, what are you doing? And you go, the salt of your chips. <laughs> take it to a restaurant. So I don't want that salt cellar. I don't want yeah. maitre d'. I don't want that Mate, salt cellar. How good would that? But have these rifles on the on the on the table? Oh no, it'd go off though, wouldn't it? They'd be, yeah. You'd have tables shooting tables. Anyway, yeah. So what happened after that? Jonathan indeed uh, did see me, and then I got a call out of the blue going, uh, Capital Radio looking for a bloke to do his own football show which was called Terry's Turnstiles in the end, which was an awful title, but it was uh, big, all because of that moment of me banging on the glass, yeah. you see? So crime does pay, Jonathan. Crime does pay. Because we uh, ended up, and then we've ended up best of friends ever since. We have. And you played football. You were a goalkeeper. Mm. I did play football for South End for those. I think some people know that. Not a lot of people do. Uh, what are you talking about? No one knows who you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I played for, I played for uh, South End. And then, funny enough, I, I I could have gone to QPR, but there was no way my mum was going to take me over there each week. Um, and that was the reason uh, when I went into EastEnders that I made my character because they said we want him to be a football fan. That's why I made him a QPR fan. 
Yeah, because nah, I could have gone there, but I didn't. Well, I, could, I was at Bristol City when I was a kid. You were I? a Bristol City boy, weren't you? Yeah, I was. And uh, I trained for a little while there, and then I broke my leg. I was, I was never going to be good enough anyway. And uh, But um, they, uh, I, well, I was working at the club at the same time. With my dad, sorry, we used to do the videoing of all the games. The first club in Europe to do it. Manager was Alan Dix, very, very look-ahead manager. Um, is nice, to play, two, nice to play around the golf with. So you play around and and uh, <laughs> Tony Collins was his number two, and he he went on to work with Sir Alex and, and Don Reevy, and uh, they came up with this idea to videotape games. So we, that's what we did: we videotaped the games, and we created uh, analytical tapes uh, in my dad's little office. And uh, he knew about the technical side of it, and and I knew more about the football side of it. So and that carried on going, and then um, Alan Dix. Um, the job was going to do Bristol City games on BBC Radio Bristol and uh, Alan Dick said you should go for it and, and what I didn't know is that um, Radio Bristol asked for a series of videotapes of games that the prospective people had to commentate on well I knew what the games were because I'd videotape them with my dad and uh, so wow. of course when I go in I knew what games were coming up and, and it was a bit of a cheat really and, uh, and and I got the job and I've been sort of blagging my way now for 42 years ever I since wouldn't, that. I wouldn't say it's a cheat that was actually uh, it was more of a, re- a, a I don't know an accidental research really wasn't it I mean in yeah. a way I suppose Oh God Terry the research side of it I don't know about, I don't know when you're when you're going out and you, you're deciding a new show, how do you because the re- how do you research that or how do you plan that? Because the research for me, it just involves so much work and you can't let up because it's you have to do about ten hours per team, even though you know them and you watch them and 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 one or two people coming through the business, I'm not too sure if they realise that's a constant. That's not just doing it once or twice. You have to do that well, every day of every week of I, your working life. I'll tell you as a punter, right, listening to football, uh, no, they don't. Um, because I you, I think there are a few, and we know who the names are, who do do that. And you can tell because you because then you're nonchalant as you're commentating because you, you've said it. It's so much into your brain. And that's what you you want to happen. There are there are those we won't mention names again who you just know are just coming out with things like I mean really I I think people will know I'm talking about here but when they come out with literally nothing doing cul de sac asking questions you know those kind of commentaries are just I, I, I honestly I when I watch some football matches and I know they're commentating I have got knitting needles next to me that I will I will at times shove right into my brain. Because I can't stand it, and that was my mum's idea. <laughs> so you've got, so you got a bug gun, and you've got a mum with knitting needles as weapons. This is yeah. good. This is good. And what do you do then when you, if you're planning a new show, or you're going up to Edinburgh, or whatever? What? How do you do it? Well, what I do is I generally get an idea of the end. That's that's how I usually come to things. So I, I'll get the punchline first. Oh God, that's a great idea. That is. For example, here comes the plug. Um, when I, when I, because I obviously do a very famous other podcast called Bear With Me, uh, Terry Alderton, Bear With Me, you can find it, which is more like a cartoon. It's completely crazy. And you've got to stick with it, by the way. If you do find it, don't just listen to the first two and go, this is too mad. You have to stay with it because it grows and then it makes sense. But with that, you know, a friend of mine, Chris Gilbert, he just went to me one day, do you think when dancing bears get rescued, they want to carry on dancing, right? Now, that to me, I just went, that's brilliant. You've got to let me have that, right? And then that turned into a routine on stage. 
um, which then now became what I'm doing there. So if that makes sense, so the the end game is 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 comes from the 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 the, the beginning of the end game becomes from the end game. If that makes any sense at all. You know, I'm I'm sounding more like a, 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 what's the name? Who's who's the second in charge? Um, now I sound like him. I I, I sound like uh, Boris. Uh, no, I sound like Biden now. But 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 but, and then I'm coming out with stuff, with Karma Harris stuff. You know, what am I? T- I no, I don't do any research. <laughs> <laughs> So you no, got, no, got a manager. You got a manager. Bear is a man. You got. Oh, you've, you got yes. your feet. <laughs> that, that's what it is. You see, this is a bear. And then listen here, bear. Please just calm down. Oh, you're telling me to calm down. That's that's the the said and bear. They live in a flat. He the bear basically is a man in a bear costume, right? Um, in a in a man costume in a bear costume, but he's not. He's just a bear. But that's what Ed thinks. And the, and his mother, oh Irene, right? She lives with them, but she lives in the cupboard. She's their smart speaker. So they go, hey, Irene. And, he goes, and he goes, she goes, hello, Irene speaking. How can I help you today? Yeah, I'm completely, I'm not well. I'm not well, you know. No. But it's w- worth a listen. But anyway, because, so that's that's that. Because you've also, you've got your, your, your feet that talk to each other on stage. Well, the shoes, very good. Um, <clears throat> the shoes, not, I did it the other night uh, on a tour show. I say tour show, um, just a few people in the theatre, really, but I did it because I, they wanted it, right? Because that's the kind of professional whore that I am. And uh, honestly, I swear to you, after I, because for people who don't know, I get right on my back and put my feet in the air and make my shoes talk. I, I couldn't walk for six days. It was, really? it, it, it was horrific. So I don't know if I can do that again. But yeah, the talking shoes were, were, were great. Anyway, let Let's not talk about me anymore, even though I'm absolutely loving this. By the way, just if you have just joined us, sorry, Jonathan, uh, the reason why we are talking like this on, on what will we'll be, a, we'll explain it in a minute about the podcast, but we're just letting you know who we are. That's what this one's about. And we will be bringing in friends. The idea is that each week we will be talking, obviously, about football, but Jonathan will be bringing a friend from the world of football. Correct. And I will be bringing friends onto the podcast uh, from the world of show business. So, for example, you might bring Tony Gale. I might bring Paul Arcastle. Or maybe when we're feeling a bit generous with ourselves, maybe every sort of four or six or two or five, I don't know, we're going we're gonna to go to lunch. So it'll be yeah. GP and T at lunch. So we'll actually have a lunch with some people and sit down and do it, and not just virtually, as we do in this world that we live in now. JP and T, the football friendly. I'm just going to refer back to um, just the, 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 the comedy career a little bit just here because mm. when you get a laugh, it must be yes. unbelievable. I'll tell you why I'm, I'm saying that because no. I remember, obviously, I speak behind a microphone, you know. So I've just done the, in the summer, I did the Women's European Championships for the BBC and for a company called Gravity Media and they, and they do the world feed for UEFA. So we're going all around the world getting 120 million people, whatever, watching. You can't think of that. You can't no. think of that. You can't think of 120 pieces. It's impossible to think about it. And if you did it, it'd freak you out. Or match the day, seven and a half million a week or whatever. So really one of the f- one of the few tangible uh, experiences in my life where, where I have come across that is either doing stand-up for the Lily Foundation, which we created for my niece who died, Lily, little Lily, been going whatever, how many years now. Or the first time Terry was at Capital Radio, they had a thing called Party in the Park. Can you remember it? Oh, yeah, in I do Hyde remember Park. those. Yeah, and, I um, yeah, yeah. The the um, the uh, head of head of head of the station, Richard Park, said to me, "I want some footballers onto the stage." It was it was around about ninety six time, yeah. you know, Euro ninety six. 
will you sort it? So we went to a party in the park and I went up on stage and introduced to the crowd, I think it was 100,000 there, Rio Ferdinand and Frank Lampard. And the roar yeah. was, it hits you. It was like a, it was like a wind yeah. that hit me, and I've never forgotten it. You know, I think it was just it was it was exhilarating. So it must yeah, be I like th- that for you. <laughs> oh, totally. And uh, you you kind of do hear it, and you kind of don't hear it. I can't really explain because I'm I'm so absorbed in my world. But when you do do like festivals and stuff, and you're right, and there's like things like latitude, as you know, there's you know when that tent's that tent's full, there's about seven thousand in there. And that's a kind of a different feel to when you're playing in a comedy club, of course, because you've got to kind of wait for it. You have to kind of wait for it. That big roar comes, you know, and then you've got to let it die down and then pick up your pick up your timing again. Because, of course, like anything, it's about timing. Everything, okay? So, yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's the first time I remember I played... Um, to about three thousand people was at um, was at the theatre in Scotland in Edinburgh. Blimey, it's gone from the Playhouse, and uh, it was the first time I'd really noticed what what we call black wall. And what black wall is is where the lights are so bright you can't see anything but a black wall. So it's called black wall. And then at the top you could just see these huge, great like Second World War searchlights following you. you know the searchlights. You know as you move, they're the, the spots on you. And I remember the first ever time then playing into such a big room. Right, but in with with, but I can't see anything apart from these bright sort of look like look like an old like um, silver shadow Rolls Royce coming towards me, like an old you know vintage. And then you you do a gag. Remember, you can't see anybody, and then wow, this roar came at me, and I was like, (gasps) I thought I'm in showbiz, and I like it. I like it. So yeah, that that, that does cu- that that is instant, and that's what I think is different to doing comedy to then doing something like I, I remember when, we, when I did London's Burning for a series of that. Are they that, that ran for 14, 14 series that did, and then I got in it, and then they excuse the pun they axed it. But that's the story of my life. But that's so boring. I mean, that single camera shoot is just that's not it's so boring, man. It's so boring. When I was at Capital. And, and people say you started there. I didn't. I started Radio Bristol, Radio West, went to a thing called Club Call in London when I first went up to London to work. And through connections, I went to Radio 2 Sport, as it was. And then through connections, someone who I was at the National Broadcasting School with, Andy Parkinson, Michael oh, Parkinson. Hold on, do you mean connections as in, like, people you meet? I thought you meant it was like a company called Connections. No, no. And, then, <laughs> and through connections. And, and the dating app. What? <laughs> yeah, dating app. <laughs> That was that was Paul. Hold on, that was Paul the producer just came in there too because we we can't do this on our own. We have to have Paul the producer, but he's got the best name in the world because his name is, and it's it's not just magic, is it? Is it? <laughs> no, he no. is called Paul Daniels, and I no. still keep doing it's magic. And he's like, you're never going to get over this, are you? No, you're never going to get over. This. He's called Paul Daniels. It's the brilliant, but he's a nice version. Let's not no. get to that. Oh. <laughs> Really? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Let me tell you this story really quickly, and you're probably going to uh, cut it out. But no, it's just because there's a big swear word, right? So, the, the, well, he, someone used to be my friend, we fell out. You know, Jonathan knows, Johnny Sperlin. He was uh, one of the halves of Bell and Sperlin. The, the Sven, 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 Goran, Eric, Sen, right? And uh, we did this. Uh, we did this. We did this charity thing in the theatre. And I remember Stuart Lee. I walked in. Stuart was having a row with uh, with um, it was Russell Howard first. And Russell was going, "Why? Why are you doing that?" And Stuart's going, "You know, just it's just because um, you know it's, it's not not real. It's just a character, really." And they sorted this thing out because he'd been taking the piss out of Russell on telly. And then <clears throat> it was brilliant. Russell 
they kind of sorted it out and buried it. <laughs> and then Jack Whitehall walked in, who had also been having a go at it. And Jack's gone, what are you doing? And then Stuart just looked at me and went, oh, God. <laughs> and I went, oh, mate, you deal with it. But anyway, I went in back into the, the what was the green room, right? And I was going, surely there's some water here somewhere. Right, there's all these big names on, right? And there's no water anywhere. So anyway, Daniels walks in, Paul Daniels, not our lovely producer, the Paul Daniels, who I've met a couple of times. And, and let's just say... Not the not not what not speaks you find, and I found not the friendliest man, right? So anyway, he walks in, and goes right, that's that done, right? And there's only me, Johnny, and my mate Duncan, right? And he goes, that's that done, wonderful. Now we got to play the game. And he looked out the window, just where Johnny was sitting, and Johnny's big fat sort of guy, about fifty stone and like five foot two with no neck, right? <laughs> and Paul Daniels so, went. So true. <laughs> Paul Daniels. Went, Paul Daniels, not the producer, the real Paul Daniels. I swear this is true, right? He went, right, oh, that's done. Now we've got to go and play the game, find the car. And Johnny, as quick as a flash, went, well, at least we've got, we've got to play the game, find the car. <laughs> <laughs> but the best bit is the way that Johnny just put his hand over his mouth and went, ooh. <laughs> and of course, Paul Daniels, in true Paul Daniels style, he was so, so absorbed in his world, bless his heart, don't speak bad of the dead, but he didn't even hear it because he's completely absorbed, completely <laughs> all about him. So he didn't even, but it was very, very funny. When the, the, the spotlight thing, I just felt that when I, when I got to Capital Gold, they, 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 they took me in to set it up in 97. Um, yeah, because that was all, it was all you, wasn't it, that? It was, there was a, yeah, 87. They, they took me yeah, to set say up 87. Um, and there was nothing, you know, they, they did a couple of sports reports in a, in a program called The Way It Is. And I had set up sport at a couple of other stations beforehand. And, and I got into, you know, they want, I wanted to be replicate the voice of the fan with the microphone because although I love Peter Jones and Brian Butler and they were great, Morris uh, Eccleston, they were, they were, they were fantastic. Um, Brian Moore, can we put Brian Moore in there? Brian Moore, huge. Oh, I'm absolutely, and a mentor to me as well. And uh, what about a bit of Barry Davis? <laughs> Barry Davis, all these, all these great voices. But they, it was quite. I thought it was quite sterile. And um, oh, correct, I can and, see what you're saying about the fan behind the mic now. So that's what we wanted to do. We immediately went out. All our matches were done out live, um, and the commentary positions sometimes were literally amongst the fans. You know, we'd be sitting at Burnden Park, and you know, and, and Ewood Park up there, and. We were Southern radio stations, you know, supporting the London teams and it obviously didn't go down too well sometimes. I'll tell a couple of stories about that in a minute. But it was a new sort of commentary. Everyone, everyone, and then it, it, now, of course, it isn't new. Everyone's doing it, but it was at that stage. Mm. And I was hammered by the press, absolutely hammered. Um, uh, the Evening Standard Boys were very good to us, really supportive in London, but a couple of the national dailies. And that that went on for years and years and years. So when you're talking about the spotlight, you know, and, and not knowing anyone was there at the darkness and suddenly yeah. you've got the roar and you realize, wow. Mm -hmm. We, I, I felt the spotlight of criticism was on me really fiercely and could have buckled Terry. It was, it was sometimes quite a lonely place because there's myself, a man called Mick Lowe's who worked with me. He's a great friend, one of the best commentators I've ever worked with. He's, he's retired now, but he's still a great friend. And a couple of others who've come through, uh, uh, but there were very few of us. And it was quite a lonely place until we used to get, until we started getting um, the feedback from the listeners. And it was fantastic, you know, and that was that was the wave that you got. That, yeah, that, that was the wave because when they used to come on the phone in, you know, we did a phone in every that was another thing we sort of pioneered the long phone in straight after games from a ground. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and th- and they were so positive and so positive and that and that that kept me going really and then it all snowballed and capital became sort of capital gold inc and we at one stage i think we had commentary rights for 72 of the 92 clubs around the country uh, in various guises capital owned loads of other stations and i and i was sort of in charge of it all and it it was fantastic you know and other people who worked with me that came through Paul Dempsey, uh, Ian Crocker, uh, Steve Wilson, Rob Watton, Dave Clark. All these people have gone on to terrific careers, lots and lots and lots of them. And they were all at, all at Capital and I was so lucky to work with them. We had great moments. I mean, I guess people remember this, the Cantona one. Suddenly people made a fuss of that. It, it won me a Sony Award, um, one of six, just saying. To Hold on, I'll pick it. Oh, sorry. That, I, I got so excited, I distorted the mic. I'll pick it up just, for you. Hold on. Pick, pick them all up, all six. <laughs> they played a minimal role in my giant success. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, that I, I think that even Manchester United fans, you know, go on about that moment as well. And... I had a great relationship with Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, even even he knew about that commentary, but he uh, once there was, there was a Christmas party. Manchester United players got involved in a Christmas party, and all stories went in the newspaper about it. I don't know if you remember, and um, and they were all wrong the stories. And then I did a commentary a few weeks later up at Old Trafford, and. Uh, he won 6-0, Rio Ferdinand goes forward, scores a goal. And in the commentary, I said, oh, well, every, everyone's getting on the app. Rio, Rio Ferdinand's joined the party. And the uh, <laughs> Sun newspaper linked my commentary, said I was referring it to this this other allegation, uh, right. which I wasn't at all. And I was desperate to get hold of Sir Alex. Um, I couldn't get hold of him. I got hold of David Gill. He was working in Brussels. He was at university with me, but a year older. I said, look, David, I would never do this. I would never do this. And he said, no, I know you, I know you wouldn't. And Sir Alex would know, but he doesn't watch Match of the Day, so don't worry about it. And uh, anyway, so I wrote a letter to Sir Alex. And um, the following week, I was up at Old Trafford. And before I did the interview with him afterwards, I said, um, look, have you had my letter? And he went, no, have you had mine? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what's he done? What's he written to me? Anyway, went home, duly opened the letter from Sir Alex Ferguson. And it was, I'm not going to tell you the words, Terry, or anyone the words, because they were so so private, but they were so joyous, so supportive. Mm-hmm. He was incredibly supportive of me. And um, and then when I saw him a couple of weeks later, I said, uh, I, I said, did you get my letter? And he went, uh, I, uh, it wasn't as good as mine, though, was it? Oh, listen and, to uh, him. And, Love uh, it. 
So hey. I've had that I've had that relationship with managers and stuff like that all the way through. And I think it comes from the capital goal because of the energy we put we all put into yeah. it, you know? And and it was it was it was lovely and uh it's just gone on like that for me really. Well that brings us uh, nicely to the end of this short podcast, uh, just to let you know what we're all about. But we will be talking in time with our friends. He'll be bringing football friends, I'll be bringing me showbiz friends, and uh, in the weeks to come we will be talking about things like Jonathan. Summer gone. Women's European Championships, what a blast that was. Um, you know, seeing Wembley packed and the, what, what a last day. And, uh, and, and, the, and the, of course, the season is upon us now. Uh, you know, I want to know what you think, Terry, really, as well, about some rule changes. I don't like the five substitutes rule. We can talk about that. Our, our friends certainly will talk about it. The new offside rule can brush your shoulder. It's a goal now. Loads of things we can talk about and get our friends to talk about as well. And I want to yep. ask questions of them, you know. I want to ask when we get people in. I know we've got one that's coming up uh, your way very soon with Tony Gale and Paul Hardcastle. I want to ask him what you know what was behind the 19 and also about his love for Chelsea Football Club. And, uh, and if anyone wants to get in contact with us, I guess they can. There'll be links. Terry at Terry's Mansion. <laughs> Right, we'll talk some more um, stuff and uh, hopefully you'll be listening to us in time. Thanks for listening to this one. Until next time. So follow, subscribe, like and leave five stars, please. JP and T, the football friendly on all the podcast apps. A podcast from producer Paul.co.uk. Hey, listeners. It's Danny Pellegrino here, host of Everything Iconic on ACAST. What if I told you instead of what I'm saying now, I could be talking about your business to all my listeners? That's right. If you're an advertiser or marketer and you'd like me to do the talking for you, all you have to do is visit ACAST's self-serve ad platform where any business can browse and book podcasters like me to tell your story in a way audiences trust. With over 100,000 shows on Acast, you can pick and build the perfect sponsorship campaign for your brand. And the best thing is that it works too. With 62% of listeners making a purchase after hearing a host-read ad. So if you're ready to start seeing results, head over to go.acast.com slash sponsorships to launch your campaign. That's go.acast.com dot com slash sponsorships sports social podcast network